I'm your host, Adam Met, and today we're talking about the future of food with Bill Broadbent. The food industry from start to finish has many practices that are harmful to people and the world. We can envision a future where everything from food production to transportation to sales are all done safer, cleaner, and more sustainably. A quick reminder that we're planting a tree for every person who subscribes to this podcast, so make sure to hit that subscribe button. Now we switch over to Bill Broadbent. He's the president of Entosense, and his goal is to make insects part of our daily diet. Without further ado, here is Bill Broadbent on Planet Reimagined. So, Bill, if we keep going with business as usual, eating the same types and amounts of food that we're doing now, could you paint a picture of what the planet might look like in 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah, actually, that's one of the things that has me concerned and started me on this path is that I realized that by the time my kids are my age, there's going to be half again as many people on the planet. And right now, meat production is already having trouble. It's the number one cause of deforestation. You know, it's a big cause of pollution, things like that. And as our population increases, meat production will have to increase, and it's just basically impossible. So we need some other place to get that type of protein. And insects are a natural. Insects are a real animal protein, all, all nine essential amino acids. So the more I looked into it, the more that seemed like one of the answers. So at, at a kind of high level, what is entomophagy? So in a simple sense, entomophagy is anybody that eats bugs um, on a regular basis. You're an entomophagist, which is great because people normally, you say you're an entomophagist, they think you have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, pretty simple to become an entomophagist. And I say that, but it's amazing how hard it is for us here in the States, especially Europe, Australia, how hard it is for us to break that, what I call an unwarranted cultural fear, and actually eat insects, even though people, Mexico, 200 different insects they eat. Um, you know, chapolinas are one of my favorites, and they're spicy grasshoppers, or spiced grasshoppers, not always spicy. And uh, they taste fantastic. You know, I, I joke that the hardest bug to eat is the first bug. Um, but after that, it's kind of interesting to watch your yourself, you know, evolve. I, I look at dishes now with, I just saw a, a silkworm pupae soup. Sounds terrible to most people, but it looked <laughs> delicious and I have no problem eating it now. So you kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's a mental challenge and we just happen to be wimps. You know, a lot of us just can't get past that point. But like I said, you know, once you try, all of a sudden you realize 2,000 different insects, every one of them tastes different. I, I joke it's the greatest culinary adventure of our time because it's a whole new food group. Why are insects a more sustainable food solution than current meat production? One of the things about insects is that, you know, they won't breed unless they're happy. And so we have to have an environment where they're healthy and they're happy. And that's relatively easy to do. Crickets are, you know, one of the easiest insects to grow. Anybody can, and you can grow them on your table scraps. So basically, crickets are grown in an environment like that. We want them to grow through their whole life because the larger they are, the more food there's going to be. And then to harvest them, they're put into a cold environment. They're frozen in a sense, but that's just like winter coming on. I mean, during the winter, crickets don't survive, their eggs do. And so mm -hmm. this, is, this is being put into you know, a cold environment to go into a um, brumation, which is like a hibernation, and then they die. And from there, they're, they're washed and roasted. <laughs> or cooked. I mean, you know, insects are used in many different ways, just like every other food group. There's a whole food group, and we just don't pay that much attention to it. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about 
kind of the water use and the land use for insects as opposed to other animals? Yeah, well, not only are they sustainable, they, they do. They use way, way less. What, there's some unbelievable figures on like 2,000 gallons of water for hamburger. You know, and, and, and with crickets, they get most of their water from their food. We do generally, when you farm them, you give them water, but it's a fraction of what's used for any other livestock. As far as land goes, they can be grown vertically. And that's one of the great things. Not only can they be grown vertically in an urban environment, but people can grow them in their own homes. It's one of the few foods that's available to anybody anywhere. So you can be growing enough protein for your whole family. And, you know, one of those big totes you get at, uh, you know, Lowe's or, or Home Depot. <laughs> so what is the protein comparison? So how many insects or crickets specifically would you need to eat in order to get the same amount of protein as a hamburger? So, you know, a pound of crickets is a fair bit to eat if you wanted to, <laughs> you know, and, and you don't normally eat a pound of, of beef either. But um, you can have cricket powder and you can add that to baked goods. You can add a, you know, when have you ever had a cookie that's high protein and high in antioxidants and B12 and, you know, it, it, it's really good. So you don't have to eat a lot. Uh, as far as the protein content, naturally, they're about the same as beef, sometimes a little less. But because we're raising them, we're feeding them a high protein diet. And from that diet, they end up being higher in protein than beef. And again, they're a real animal, so they're just as bioavailable as beef. Right. You mentioned before some of the other cultures around the world that have been eating insects for a really long time. Can you talk about a few of those and why it's such a big part of what they eat? Yeah. When the European settlers hit the New World, um, they looked down upon the natives because they ate six-legged animals. And they use that as a slur. And so that's why Europe, the United States, Canada, um, you know, Australia, New Zealand, we all look down on people that eat insects. And we've made, you know, we revile insects and we revere steak. We've made steak a status symbol. And so people around the world now, especially younger people, are abandoning traditional foods because they have insects in them and they think that we would think they're gross. We're actually shaming people into giving up sustainable traditional foods. I mean, it's not a good thing. <laughs> no. So we have to get over that attitude in a sense. And in making edible insects a trend here in the United States, we'll make it a trend worldwide because everybody watches what happens you know, here in the States. And right. so it's important because... Again, these, this is a food that is available to almost anybody anywhere in the world. And you can grow them in your own home and they grow on food waste. It, it's a perfect cycle too. Even their frass is great fertilizer for growing more you know, plants and that sort of thing. So frass is their poop. <laughs> How are you going to convince the U.S. and the Western world to start eating insects? From a marketing perspective, how are you going to make this happen? So that, that's very, very difficult. Um, it is tough to get people even interested, but we believe that the, the avenue, two different avenues, one is with chefs. People have to like the taste. And sometimes I think just trying a cricket isn't the way to do it because it's kind of like being given a lettuce leaf and saying, you know, what do you think? <laughs> You're like, well, <laughs> you know, crickets, one thing is people are always surprised at how good they taste. Very few people don't like the taste of crickets, but it's also very mild. But on the other hand, when you start having, you know, tacos with chapolinas or you have, you know, tenebrio pizza, which is, you know, superworms or mealworms um, on a pizza, you know, it's a whole different story. It tastes good. You know, you, you start to like it. And that's 
a big key. Is So we're trying to recruit as many chefs as possible to add insects to the menu. The second thing is we're working on um, reaching school kids because basically people my age are, like we say, 40 and over, and I'm 42, just joking, <laughs> much older than that. People my age just, they don't need to try and eat insects. People between about 17, 18, and up to 40, they're much more open to it. And, you know, I, I would say we get 50 to 60% of those people. But when you get to kids, what kid won't eat a bug? I mean, come on. <laughs> It's usually 80%. It's usually about 50%. Then the other 50% slowly go, well, okay, if you did it. And they do. But we get 70 to 80% of the kids will try the bugs. And not only that, very few people after they try them say they don't like them. And so now we have these little advocates running around saying, wow, bugs taste great. I mean, we make cotton candy crickets, believe it or not. (laughs) Yeah. Kids love cotton candy crickets. What does that taste like? Well, it's crickets with a cotton candy, so it's like an earthy cotton candy. But again, it tastes good. I mean, it's not one of my favorites, but I have to say it, you know, it's not so bad. (laughs) Jalapeno garlic. There you go. That's That's a really good one. That sounds good to me. You've tried, I'm assuming, a bunch of different insects from all around the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is the weirdest insect you've ever tasted? Oh, definitely the murder hornet. <laughs> You've tasted the murder hornet? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're um, in Japan. They're, they're a delicacy. And we had um, uh, Sukadani hornets and Sukadani grasshoppers, which are the very young hornets soaked, marinated for six months. And one little bottle with maybe 20 of them in it is around 40 or $50. The murder hornets themselves are, are wild looking, but they just taste like popcorn without butter. <laughs> There's almost no taste to them. Some of them that I don't like, like tarantulas, uh, the legs really do kind of remind you of crab, but people like the thorax. And the thorax, to me, was unusual and, and, and a taste I didn't like at all. But in Thailand and in China, they're, you know, a delicacy. One of my other favorites, humiles, which is actually, we call them stink bugs. <laughs> mm. um, they tasted like pistachio nuts. I mean, I liked, I could eat them all day long. Um, as far as my daily favorite is two things. One, of course, is the cricket powder because I can add it to just about anything. A focus with me is the prebiotic fiber. Uh, it's very hard for us to get prebiotic fiber. The exoskeleton of crickets is a prebiotic fiber. So all these people are trying to increase their probiotics ought to think about the nutrition for probiotics, which is prebiotics. So mm-hmm. we use the cricket powder fairly often. But if I'm going to do something kind of exotic for friends and stuff, I like to use the chapolinas because... You can add them to a burrito or a taco, tosado, something like that. And um, they, they always taste good. And they can be flavored. They run from salt or lemon and salt to um, adobados, chipotle. <laughs> wow. From what you're saying, it seems like the first way to get started with being an entomophagist is with cricket powder, right? Because it's the easiest thing to add to so many things. Right. It's fun because you can add it. I mean, basically... It's a 20% cricket powder, 80% regular baking flour, and you can do anything with it you want. You can, from pizza crust to cake, <laughs> cookies. So what's the next step after cricket powder? If somebody wants to actually taste a full insect, what would be the starter insect that you would recommend? If you're brave enough, I would go for the chapelina because uh, the, the joke 
in Mexico is that gringos go down there and we're sitting in a bar drinking beer and we're eating these spicy peanuts and they're not peanuts, they're actually chapulinas. And as soon as you mention it, they stop eating them. You know, they don't even know because they just taste like, not really a peanut, but you know, you get the idea. It tastes like a nut in a sense. Yeah. Even in the U.S. and the other places where, where you ship, do some insects sell better in specific places for cultural reasons? Oh, yeah. We sell a lot of chapulinas, you know, down, down south, mostly mm-hmm. because of the Hispanic market. Uh, the Latin market isn't quite as strong, but still. And then the cricket powder is nationwide, as you can expect. Um, we have a large Asian audience that likes the uh, silkworm pupae. We also find that there's a lot of grandparents that just don't think this is a big deal at all. You know, they grew up eating this. They grew up, you know, and, and they didn't know until they got older. And they even wonder, why did it disappear? You know, you're right. We don't eat silkworm pupae anymore. You know, why not? Yeah. This podcast and in each episode, we try and make connections between different areas of sustainability. So we've talked about how gender equality is related to health and how education is related to poverty. So I want to talk about emissions from transport, because that's one of the big things in the food industry. In addition to biodiversity loss and land loss, transporting these things. When you have a product that you're growing in South America, many times you ship it to China for it to be prepared and then to the U.S. And the transport of these things create a lot of carbon emissions. Is this something that you think about at all in your work with transporting insects? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Ironically, sometimes, too, you're paying more for us shipping them in than the cost of the insects. (laughs) Hmm. Very definitely, because first of all, I've always believed in the buy local attitude to begin with. But Insects can be grown in small batches and they can be grown, you know, if you wanted to get into a commercial business, you could probably grow enough in your garage as long as you have the market. (laughs) And again, you almost have to educate your market before you have a market, but you could grow a substantial amount in a small area. Again, they, they stack on top of each other. You can go bin after bin. So insects are perfect for that because... You can have all different types of insects. And, and I should also mention another side of this, and you're probably going to talk to somebody else about this, but the black soldier fly larva, mm-hmm. you, know, you know about that? Should I I, I don't. Go for oh. it. Tell, tell us all about it. <laughs> so this is insects as feed. We just talked about insects as food. But black soldier fly larva are being raised, and believe it or not, up until just a year ago or around a year ago, um, it was illegal to feed insects to fish that were being commercially sold. So here's the natural food of fish. And we're saying, no, you have to use fish feed. But there's a problem with fish feed because we're running out of mackerel. We're running out of the sardines and the herring and the the feeder fish that, you know, the the fishermen are using. And so something that can replace that is these black soldier fly larvae. And the larvae are, you know, they look like big maggots. (laughs) Hmm. But... They live off of uh, food waste. So these companies can go around to restaurants and grocery stores and get their food waste that would otherwise be going into the dump and turning into greenhouse gases. And they can use that as food. And that food turns into the food for right now. Again, the only thing it's legal for is salmonoids or salmon and trout. But it's, you know, again, a natural process and totally sustainable. And again, it's it's localized. You're taking local food waste. You're turning into feed for trout and salmon that are going to end up back in your grocery store as fresh caught local fish, you know? Yeah. It's completely circular. That's yeah, really interesting. Yeah. It's beautiful. In fact, sometimes I, I wonder if I should have gone that direction instead of the food direction. <laughs> yeah. I was reading an article uh, that there's a company in China that 
breeds cockroaches that can actually eat through single-use plastic. And then oh, yeah. when they eat through plastic and food waste, then the cockroaches die and then they're ground up and they're used as food for pigs. And then we eat the pigs and then the pigs die and then the cockroaches again <laughs> will eat through the organic waste and the single-use plastic. That was just incredible to me. H how can you breed an insect to eat through plastic? Uh, mealworms do the same thing. I mean, you know, you can get those at Petco. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. You know, I, I believe right now it's the renaissance of insects, and it's at a good time because it's also the apocalypse of insects. I mean, yeah. you, I don't know if you know about the famous German study from a year or so ago. It was a 30- or 40-year study on flying insects in Germany, and we only have 25 to 30% of the flying insects we had uh, 30 years ago. That mm -hmm. many have been dying off. If you remember... 20 years ago, driving down the road, if you went on a long trip, you had to clean your windshield off every time you got gas. You don't do that anymore. I mean, I haven't cleaned my windshield off because of bugs in a long time, and I live in Maine. Hmm. You have bugs. <laughs> yeah, so there's a big problem, and I believe that the causation is obvious, and, you know, it's pesticides. We're poisoning the earth. We're just pouring poison all over our fields. You know, I remember my neighbor outside with his little poison bottle every Saturday hitting every single weed in his, you know, so that poison goes somewhere and they think it just affects a certain kind of this or that, but we don't know what it affects and we're finding out, you know, and so half to three quarters of the insects are disappearing. That's a major, major problem. Yeah. So everyone I talk to on this podcast has such creative and innovative ideas for moving us in a more sustainable direction. Would you ever consider running for any form of political office to kind of get these policies changed and these, these ideas out there more? Not sure about the office itself, but I, I would like to get more involved in a sense. You know, so, something we all think about and it's needed. I mean, you know, we need, to, we need to get the attention. But also, like I said, isn't it amazing that insects weren't allowed as a food for trout and salmon for years and years and years? Yeah. So, yeah, some of these things are just silly. I mean, it's just because, ooh, ick, an insect. And so that's our pervasive attitude towards all insects. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. I am definitely going to start with cricket powder and then probably move <laughs> on to something more adventurous. But well, that's great. really appreciate it's, your time. Oh, sure. I appreciate the opportunity. So thanks. Thanks a lot, Adam. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to support this podcast, please visit sustainablepartnersinc.org slash donate. Also, follow us on Instagram at sustainable.partners. Today's episode was engineered by Drew Allsbrook, produced and edited by Shelby Kaufman, and executive produced by Sustainable Partners, Inc. I'm your host, Adam Met, and thanks for listening to Planet Reimagined.